You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Night Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I hate to start things off on a bit of a somber note, but unfortunately we did find out yesterday that Aaron Jones' father has passed away. Don't have details, don't really need details. Um, you know, you hear about sad stuff pretty regularly, but this one was especially bad, you know? Um, we've all seen the images of Aaron Jones running over to the stands to, uh, you know, shake his dad's hand, hug his dad. Aaron Jones had commented that uh, his dad has never missed a game of his in nine years. And then when it dawned on me that he had just signed that big contract, man, that really sucked. You know, Aaron Jones is just getting started. So anyways, obviously our heart goes out to uh, the family. I did want to highlight that uh, Aaron Jones and his brother did start a foundation. It's aaalltheway.org if you want to check it out. It's a foundation that helps children in need, um, children of uh, military families. A lot of people have been, uh, you know, from the Packers community and, and beyond supporting the charity of Aaron Jones in honor of his father. Uh, if you're able to do so, many of us have been given $33, obviously, to represent Aaron Jones's number. But really, whatever you can give would be uh, really helpful, not just, you know, for the, for the children, obviously, most of all, but just as a strong show of support um, from the from the Packers community to uh, to rally around them. So think it over. Man, I, I tell you what, man, there is never, there probably is, I just am not good at it. How do you segue away from stuff like this? What am I supposed to say? Given like heartbreaking stuff and it's like, ready, conspiracy theory time. Like this, ugh. I feel like I have an obligation to just shut the podcast down. I'm like, all right, that's it for today. You folks have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. I, I don't know. Ready, segue. All right. It is conspiracy theory time. Now, this is just draft talk, but again, anytime I'm talking about outside of Green Bay, in other words, it has no application to Green Bay, at least directly, it matters in the broader spectrum because what we're talking about is how everything you're hearing right now is a lie. Brian from Connecticut, I believe. I put Brian from CT in my phone, and I'm kind of dumb. Not only do I not know for sure if CT is Connecticut, I'm the one that put CT in there, meaning I'm the one that heard where he's from, abbreviated it myself. It could be Kentucky for all for all I know. Kentucky? Yeah, probably CT is what it is, I bet. I know it's a K. That's why it's a joke. Just relax. All right, so check this out, because I think this is kind of borderline brilliant, and although it's a massive long shot, it's exactly the kind of thing that does happen. I just recently seen somebody um, post on Twitter, I think JJ shared it with me, but uh, it's a scout who was agreeing with and retweeting a tweet that essentially had said after draft season, he had to go to confessional and and basically confess about all the lies he had told, something to that effect. Bottom line is he felt guilty about doing nothing but lying for months and months and months and basically saying, we're not telling the media anything. We're not stupid. Why would we tell them anything? We're, all we're doing is pumping lies to them 24-7, and they take it hook, line, and sinker. Everything is fake. Everything is a lie. Now, certain things do leak out, and sometimes things can be useful. For example, Brian Gutekunst going to pro days. It's possible some of it's diversionary, but, you know, they, there's actually a pretty strong correlation between the people that he picks, especially in the first round, and if you look, Brian Gutekunst went to that pro day. He wants to get his hands on some guys he wants to see. And plus, it, it doesn't tell you anything because he's been to 15 different pro days and there's four or five different prospects at each pro day. I mean, guys that you know are legitimate, whatever. There's also um, 
you know, every once in a while, a scout will say something and somebody overhears it. I do remember um, the year that we picked, I think, what was it, three different running backs? You know, the Packers like to triple up. There was the Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and I think there was one other guy um, in the seventh round that we took. Somebody had overheard a Packers scout talking to a running back prospect. I think it was the Badger prospect. I don't remember which one, but we didn't draft him. But essentially saying, we might be picking up to three running backs in this draft. Turns out that happened. We didn't take that running back. That's what everybody ran with. Like, oh, yeah, they're saying that they really want him. And maybe they did, but they didn't take him. But they did still take a bunch. So every once in a while, stuff leaks out. But even then, a lot of these scouts, I mean, you, you might hear from a scout that they like so-and-so. It doesn't matter. The scout isn't pulling the lever. Brian Gutekunst is, and Gutekunst isn't telling them anything. And Gutekunst isn't even telling the scouts what they're trying to do. It's none of their business. Matt LaFleur doesn't even know who Brian Gutekunst is going to pick. He's not like two weeks out like, dude, this is who we're picking for sure. For sure. Let's have a meeting, everybody. This is who we're picking. Doesn't happen. Anyways, all that being said, um, there are some pretty, and, and I had mentioned this before too, where it's like you, you hear about some of these lies and it doesn't even make sense because it's like the, the odds that that's going to benefit you are like, you know, as close to zero as you can possibly get. And this is one of those situations, but boy, oh boy, does it make sense to me. Especially when you're talking about a super high pick and you're talking about trying to get the best possible quarterback and the quarterback of the future and you're trying to throw a couple little diversionary things out there. It's, it's, it's at the exact same time stupid and brilliant. Here's how this works. You know how the 49ers traded up to the number three overall pick and the rumor we've heard nonstop is that Mac Jones is the guy. That's all we've heard the whole time. And everybody says the same thing. 100%, this is what I'm hearing, right? All the insider, like, this is it. This is everybody I'm hearing, all the, all the GMs I've talked to, all the coaches I've talked to, all the scouts I've talked to. They all say, look, this is the guy. I, it's weird, but it's the guy. And at the same time, they're saying that makes no sense because he's not good enough to be the number three overall pick. It makes absolutely no sense. So you kind of hem and haw and go back and forth like, yeah, there's no way. And then it's like, well, maybe it is. I don't know. And it seems like it's the thing. I mean, they, they went to his pro day and not Justin Fields' pro day, and this whole thing's kind of weird. But, uh, you know, who knows? You know, you just got to get the right guy for your, for your scheme. Is it possible, and the answer is yes, by the way, that the San Francisco 49ers have been leaking and leaking and leaking to certain people? And it, it, they do a slow leak where it's like you tell this guy and then a scout kind of talks to this guy and then it, it slowly bleeds its way around so that by the time it hits somebody else, everybody they ask says, yeah, I heard about Mac Jones. Oh, yeah, I heard, 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 heard from this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And what is it that they've heard? Mac Jones is the guy because he is a perfect fit for Kyle Shanahan. He is a perfect fit for that particular scheme. Well, who is the team that picks one pick before them? It's the New York Jets. Now, we know for sure that Jacksonville is going to take Trevor Lawrence. We're not sure who the Jets are going to take. Hello there. See, I turned up the alarm on my phone. That's why I got a little bit of an earlier start today. <laughs> but you're going to be, be hearing that more often. And no, if you're new here, I'm not turning it off. This is a long-standing tradition for years. My alarm goes off during the show. That's, that's law. So the thought is it's Zach Wilson, maybe Justin Fields, but, but that's, that's probably it. So let me ask you this. Who is the Jets' offensive coordinator? The Jets' new offensive coordinator is Mike LaFleur. The Jets' head coach is Robert Sala. They're former 49ers. Is it possible, and again the answer is yes, that the 49ers are throwing diversionary tactics directly at the New York Jets, a team that really has no idea what they're doing? First-year head coach, first-year offensive coordinator, and a GM that's just like, I don't know, man, you tell me what you need. What is it that they need? What do you do when all that you're hearing is that your, your old coach, who is a brilliant mad scientist genius, is obsessed with Mac Jones and that Mac Jones is the perfect fit for your scheme, which just so happens to be the scheme that you're planning on implementing for the New York Jets? Again, it's a, it's a one-in-a-million shot that Mike LaFleur takes the bait and Robert Sala takes the bait and says, you know what? Mac Jones is the guy. But man, are they really, really pushing. They're leaking it. They are, they are sending out all the information. They are pushing so hard to convince everybody that Mac Jones is the perfect fit for a Shanahan scheme. He's the guy you want. If you want to be Kyle Shanahan, you better get Mac Jones. They even went so far as to skip Justin Fields' pro day to go see Mac Jones to prove to everybody that that's the guy. 
On top of that, they're also saying Justin Fields is definitely not the guy, which tells me Justin Fields probably very much is the guy. It might even be so much as saying, you know, Mac Jones is the guy. Zach Wilson would be great too, but if not, then definitely Mac Jones. Just make sure it's definitely, definitely not Justin Fields. Because remember, what we had said is if you move up to three, you got to have three guys that you're comfortable with, and there probably are. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields. But that doesn't mean you're not trying to get somebody out of that group. And maybe that somebody's Justin Fields. Maybe they like Justin Fields a little bit better than Zach Wilson. And they're just trying to pump as much information out there as humanly possible to be like, look, and by the way, uh, Justin's been falling down the boards. Not not far. I mean, nobody really, It's not. he's still easily a top 10 pick. But some of the stuff is starting to get silly. And if, <laughs> if you look at some of the Ohio State fans, uh, like uh, JJ on Twitter, they're starting to lose it a little bit. Like, you guys are, are flipping out of your minds. But this is part of that process. You see Justin Fields start to slip, and you see Mac Jones and Trey Lance come flying up in his place, and they're like, well, maybe Justin goes fifth. It's like, what is happening right now? I'll be honest, I'm, I'm buying it. I'm completely buying it. And, and for a lot of people, they might look at that and say, that's silly, that's not going to work. The team is not going to be so stupid as to uh, take Mac Jones just because you've heard a rumor that Kyle Shanahan, uh, Kyle Shanahan likes him. And you're probably right, but it's worth a shot. What else you got to do? You know who you're picking. You know who you want. Do everything in your power to make sure that you're getting the right guy at three. Because you can't get to two, and you can't get to one. The best you could do is three. So now your number one job is to push that quarterback down to you. And again, Trevor Lawrence can't come down. So you're just trying to make sure, absolutely sure, that the best quarterback falls to you. And why not try to make sure that they take Mac Jones? <laughs> or again, at least not Justin Fields. That guy's trash. I think it's brilliant. I mean, it's one of those things where I'm so mad that I didn't think of it. So mad I didn't think of it. That is a conspiracy theory that I will put my stamp on 10 times out of 10 and say that 100% is true. Now, if they take Mac Jones, then all right, I guess I was wrong. But it just it, it just answers all the questions of like, what is going on here? This seems weird. And by the way, you know, Mac Jones was PFF's highest graded quarterback in college football. He's not a bad football player by a, by a long shot. But again, you got to take certain things into account. There is the scheme. There is the offensive line. There's the wide receivers. You take all that stuff into account, and most quarterbacks are probably going to thrive in that system. That's not to say he's bad. I think the consensus is he's very good. He's very talented. I think he's a bit limited. I don't think he has the best long ball. He has basically zero mobility. I don't know that there's a lot that Mac Jones does that Justin Fields doesn't do with better mobility. I mean, much better mobility. Same is true with Zach Wilson, especially with his ability to throw on the run. Trey Lance is, um, I mean, he's just, just a freak as far as, as mobility goes his ability to run. I mean, he's uh, he's basically Lamar Jackson. I don't know if he's quite that. I think Colin Kaepernick, honestly, is a better um, comp or RG3 or something. He's not quite um, he's not quite Lamar. Lamar is just lightning bolt, but it's definitely there. So anyways, again, not directly Packers related, but it is a brilliant conspiracy theory, which I will take any day of the week. That's one of my favorite things to talk about is, is these conspiracy theories, which probably, again, not the best description, but it's fun to call it that, so that's what I call these things. Although I think it literally would be considered a conspiracy, right? You're conspiring. So there you go. And it is a theory, so burn. <sighs> I, I don't even want to move off it because I'm having so much fun talking about it, but I think we've covered it, so I guess we got to move on. But again, it, it's, it's, it's not directly Packers related, but it, it does kind of go to understanding the NFL better, especially the draft process. This is the draft process, and I think it gets super ugly and super dirty in the beginning round, in the in the beginning of the first round. You know, once it gets a little bit later, you can throw a diversionary tactics, and you you, you might want to just not really highlight that you like this guy or whatever because you, you just you really hope that they're there. However, that tends to work. But you know, it's it's what are you going to do? You can throw diversionary tactics about a fourth round prospect. I mean, you know, who cares? But when you're talking about a top three guy, it's it starts getting crazy. It's like the the you know when somebody fumbles and the you know you get a little dog pile going and you hear about people getting scratched and spit on. I think some people say bit, which I would love to know how you do that with a with a helmet on. I guess if your hand drifts up into the mask, you can bite somebody or whatever. But or you just grab their hand and shove it in your mouth, which is super super dark. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> oh, anyways, what else we got here on the old messaging board? Well, let's get to some uh, some questions here because I still have a huge list. I've been begging you guys for questions, and I got a bunch, and then there was a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about. Oh, um, 
And then uh, there was a rumor Aaron Rodgers is being traded to the Patriots. I'm putting almost zero stock in that, but it's fun. Uh, Dan Cilio said there was a report. I don't really know much about the guy, but he's one of those guys that pumps out rumors, so I've been trying to keep track of these things. I'm really not learning very much. i got to devise a better system. i got enough. I don't need to be doing that, but I would like to devise like a scorecard. Call it like the, fa- the fake Ian Rappaport report card or something. I don't know. Basically, if you make a claim, and it has to be a definitive claim, not, you know, because they, they love to wheeze a lot of stuff, which is easy to do. Like, well, I, I heard a report that Rodgers and the Patriots are, are having talk. Well, if he doesn't get traded to the Patriots, it doesn't mean he's wrong. I mean, they had talks and it fell through. No big deal. No, no, no. That's called a miss. I, I know it's not technically a miss, but there's, there's only two ways that that goes. Either it happens and you got a hit, or it didn't and you missed. You want to re- throw around reports that are nonsense and they don't happen, then that's, that's on you. And then I think you should get a partial score if you throw out like seven names, right? Because some of these guys are like, oh, I've, I've heard reports that... Uh, Kyle Fuller has interest from these four teams. And then there's another tweet. I heard Kyle Fuller also has interest from these three teams. Okay, so we're talking seven teams. That's that's pretty close to one in four of the entire league. So I think if you get a hit, you get like a quarter of a point. But if you miss, you you get like minus seven. <laughs> or like at least minus four. Because, dude, you, you listed a quarter of the league and you still missed. I mean, come on. I mean, if you're listing a quarter of the league, I mean, you can just process of elimination you know, especially with certain positions, like these teams don't need anybody. And if he's not staying with his team, you can eliminate that team. And we're down to about 10 teams. Then you look at the salary cap situation and everything. I mean, it's, you know, anyways, that's, I don't know how we even got on that topic. Ranty day. So we got a question from Dan Dawson, kind of going deep into the, into the files here. So hey man, just wonder what your thoughts were on the current O-line situation. I'm starting to get a bit worried. I'm assuming they have a plan, but what could it be with limited cap room and free agency closing? I'm assuming Jenkins moves to center or remain at guard, but are Stepniak and Runyon ready to make the jump? Also, if they are looking to draft, that seems a bit sketchy to start rookies on the O-line. I know it's kind of an unwritten rule that you never want to start rookies right away at any O-line position, but it could work out just kind of nervous. Do you have any insight or have you heard any news on what the plan might be? Thanks. No, thank you, Dan. Um, No, I haven't heard anything about the inside uh, whatever. I apparently don't know how to say offensive line. I, I, have, I haven't heard anything. I've heard a lot of speculation. I also tend to disagree with a lot of Packers Twitter, which probably means I'm wrong. Um, I mean, just, I don't, I don't know. I guess I shouldn't necessarily say it. I was just, it's one of those things where everybody is so 1,000% convinced of one thing. I'm starting to think, you know what? They're probably right, but I'm still going to stick by my guns because it just makes more sense to me. Maybe I'm just stupid, but that's how I see it. I have gone over the list of what I think the offensive line will look like. I don't have that in front of me, and I don't feel like rehashing that. So, um, you know, try to find that if you want. I will say this. Um, I think they have to have a plan today about what the offensive line looks like without any other additions. Because you don't know what's going to happen. Hello there. That's super loud. Some of, the, uh, some of the OGs on this podcast will remember dance parties. I used to have an older phone that had a fun little jingle to it. And we would just break down and do a dance party right here on the show when the when the uh, alarm went off. That was those were good days, man. Unfortunately, this stupid Google phone doesn't have any good jingles on it. It has garbage like that and a cuckoo clock, which I just added. I wanted to add something a little different, kind of spice it up a little bit, so I threw in a cuckoo clock. The Google phone's fine. I just you know I just they got to up their jingle game. That's all. But I I think that's where you start. You start. I mean, and that's true of every position. What is our football team right this second? And we have to be okay with that. Because that may just be the way that it is. And that's kind of what free agency is. We look at it and say, okay, this is what it is, and we can't do anything else. Are we okay with that? And when they go do stuff in free agency, whether that's re-signing our guys or bringing in somebody else, that's them saying, I'm not okay with this. Now, with Aaron Jones, I don't think it's necessarily, I'm not okay with the running back situation. I think it was more of, we can't let this go. That's draft and develop. But I think Kevin King is a very strong reflection of, I'm not okay with this. Which makes sense because you just you, you need to have bodies there. And now with Kevin King, I think they're looking at it and saying, I'm okay with it. Now there's there's varying levels of comfort, right? I'm 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 okay in terms of like quarterback, I'm more than okay. And then there's offensive line where it's like this sucks, but I'll deal with it. Right. We can we can trot them out there and we'll make this work. And I will say they're they're you know, and I've said this a thousand times, but if you want to feel a little bit more comfortable about it, you can look at other teams. There are other teams that are just missing guards. Like, they just, like, who who in the world is playing for your team right now? 
Like, it's just, it's it's pretty bad. Like, if I look at the depth chart for the LA Chargers, they don't have a left tackle listed. Now, I'm using the over-the-cap thing, which is kind of fun to play with, but, like, they've got four right tackles, three right guards, a center, two left guards, and no left tackles. Obviously, some of those right tackles can move to left, maybe some of these guards, I don't know. Point is, it's like, that's just hilarious. Especially when you already have a trash offensive line, to not even have a left tackle listed, to have a a page like this. I'm sure if I go to a different, um, what is it? Uh, now I got over the cap stuck in my head. If you go to our lads, they, they pop somebody in there, Trey Pipkins. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm sorry. I mean, Trey's a good football name, but Pipkins, I don't know. Reminds me of Mary Poppins. How can he, he's, he, that can't be your left tackle. So it's, it's not ideal. And obviously the Packers have taken a step back as far as the offensive line is concerned, massively in regard to Corey Lindsley. But it's still very workable. And, and I know David Bakhtiari is out for a while, but if we really just look at what is this offensive line, we have David Bakhtiari at left tackle. We have Elton Jenkins that can play guard or center. We have John Runyon that isn't a great guard, but he is decent enough. And I know that's not super comforting, but again, as far as other teams, there are other teams that have starters that are about as good as John Runyon. And John Runyon's kind of a, eh, it'd be nice to upgrade him. We'll see how it goes. And, and by the way, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on Run. All three of those guys on the interior have had no experience in the pros whatsoever. John Runyon's the only guy that, guy that had a little bit of time. But again, remember, no preseason, none of that. He didn't get a full 16-game seed. He had nothing, very little time. I mean, just like any of the rookies, it's really just, I mean, same with A.J. Dillon. And, and a lot of the, that's why a lot of those guys never really got opportunities. And we're like, yeah, throw them out there, throw them out there. And, and Matt LaFleur and the, the coaching staff are like, look, these guys don't know what they're doing. We've hardly had any training camp or practice. And when we go to practice, practice is preparing for game day, right? Preseason training camp, that's for the young guys. Practice is for practice for an upcoming game. I'm not throwing a rookie and they're just like, oh, you got to get your practice. Nope. You sit down and shut your mouth. We got to get these guys ready to play a game. So any of the rookies that got put in there were just thrust into it. Very little practice. Now, obviously, they played college, and they, they understand the, the fundamentals and all that kind of stuff, but there's a lot they don't know. So assuming things don't get wildly out of hand, and I've given up trying to predict what's going to happen. I'm not just talking about COVID. I'm talking about murder hornets. I'm talking about aliens. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm not holding out hope that something crazy isn't going to happen. Possessed babies, like just taking over Dallas. I don't know. Don't act like you do. Yeah, you think it's funny until it happens. What are you going to do? Are you going to fight a baby? I'm not. But we got to do something. They're taking over Dallas. It's a major American city, man. But I can't hurt a baby. It's a baby. What are you going to do? I don't know. One of the guys that I've mentioned that I'm extremely intrigued about, and it's, it's kind of a long shot, but remember, there's a couple positions we really don't have. One of them is center. One of them is right tackle. Now, we have Elton Jenkins, who is a center, which is why I tend to think he's going to go in there. A lot of people think Lucas Patrick is going to be center because they seem to think Lucas Patrick has played a ton of center and he's very good at it. Lucas Patrick's played center like 14 times. The actual official number is 136. But I, I listen, this, and this is the major point of contention. This is where most of Packers Twitter, Packers community says Lucas Patrick is going to be the center. And maybe he is. I don't know. It's possible. The Packers got to do what they think is best. And if they like Lucas at center, that's great. Good, good for them, I guess. But I, I just feel like this is one of those things where somebody, one of the Packers guys, whether it's a blogger or a podcaster or whatever, probably a big one like Herman or something, remembered Lucas Patrick had played center and thought, that's what I'll talk about, right? I remember he was a center. That makes the most sense to me. Now we can keep out in the garden, all that stuff. But again, my personal comfort level with a guy that never played center in college and has played like 100 snaps in the pros is not very high. Not to mention he's never graded out well as a center. If we go back to 2019, granted, he never had a single good game in 2019. Um, his two worst games, so he played three times as like full-time center in uh, 2019, are we in now? Yeah, 2019, which is basically the only time he played center. He didn't play center in 2017, 2018, and he played center eight times in 2020, 128 times in 2019, which includes three times um, as like a full-time in a game. His best was a 67.8, and the two worst games he played... So uh, he played left tackle, right guard, left tackle, left tackle, left tackle, left tackle better than he played center against Las Vegas and center against Dallas. So the guy technically, and we're talking about very limited reps here, but he technically played guard as well as left tackle better than he played center. Now, the, his best game was at center, so I, I guess I... And, and they're all kind of just bad games. But, I mean, and, and that's, I don't know. Again, in a pinch, maybe. But I, the, the one thing that really intrigues me is Jake Hansen. 
Jake Hansen is one of the guys that we drafted. And remember, we all think of him as three guards, but really we got to tackle a guard and a center, and the tackle is most likely going to play guard. So we kind of have two guards and a center. And Jake Hansen is just a center. He's like Corey Lindsley. He's never taken a single snap at tackle or guard. He is a center, 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 center. Now, Jake Hansen we didn't see last year because he got thrust into the practice squad, which when you have a bunch of guys and you already have an offensive line, you gotta you, you can only keep so many guys, right? We talked about this yesterday. There's only so many guys you can keep. Another option outside of cutting everybody or cutting veterans is to take some of these guys that aren't quite ready yet and you throw them on the practice squad. Then you bring them back, which they did. They signed them to another one-year contract because that's what you do when you throw them on practice squad. You're essentially cutting them from your team and then re-signing them so now they need a new contract to stay. So we give them a one-year contract. We're going to bring them back. And now again, he gets an opportunity to play. And I think he has a really strong opportunity. And I will see what happens in the draft. I don't think it's impossible. That's the, the other good thing about this is we can draft a center, a guard, or a tackle, and it still works because we got so much versatility, right? We're good with Billy Turner at tackle or guard. We're good with uh, Elton Jenkins at guard or center. So if we draft a center, cool, we'll keep Elton Jenkins at guard. If we draft a guard, maybe we'll kick Elton Jenkins into center. If we get a tackle, maybe we'll put Billy Turner back into guard. If we get a guard, maybe we'll keep Billy Turner at tackle, right? So I don't necessarily think it's set in stone. However, I do think at this point in time, if you ask them, assuming we draft nobody or bring anybody in from free agency, what is your offensive line? They have something written down. But even that is still, there's going to be some open competitions. And again, I got a big circle around Jake Hansen. Now, maybe the guy's just terrible. I don't know. But I think if more than anything, I want that guy to really step up. So we have two guys that can play center, Elton Jenkins and Jake Hansen. We don't have anybody that is a tackle. We have guys that can play tackle like Billy Turner, but Billy Turner is is more so a right guard than he is a right tackle. He's done that more so in his career. Stepniak, I think, was a left tackle in college, but is expected to be a guard in the pros. Bakhtiari is just a left tackle. All these guys, John Runyon, I think, has played left tackle, but is expected to stay at guard. Nobody is just a right tackle or was primarily a right tackle. Nobody on this entire team, which kind of leads me to believe that that would be a strong consideration for the Packers, a guy like Tevin Jenkins or whoever that can play right tackle, whether he's a long-term only right tackle like uh, uh, Jalen Mayfield or just a guy that's that's done it all. But uh, I, I understand the concern because it is shaky, but I think it will be uh, fine. One, one other thing that I noticed yesterday, and this is kind of speculation, but I was digging around with the Packers offensive line stats. They don't have win rate stats for the offensive line, which I wish they did because I would love to see. I know how ESPN uses win rate, and they said that's why Billy Turner's so good, which I still find iffy because his flat-out statistics are not great as far as how many pressures, sacks, hits, hurries he's allowed. So it's hard to say that he's won more than anybody, but yet he's given up a ton of those things. But it would just be interesting to see what uh, PFF says about the offensive line win rate, but they don't have it. But what they do have is the true pass sets, which is to say um, your statistics and your grades on just one-on-one situations. We're throwing out things like scheme. We're throwing out things like Aaron Rodgers' um, you know, quick passes and all that kind of stuff. Every single Packers offensive lineman, their, their rank, not their grade, because everybody's grade is going to fall a little bit when you take scheme and, and things that help the offensive line out of it. But their rank, which should be proportional, right? If you're third... Overall, you should be roughly third in your true pass sets because you should fall proportionally to everybody else. Every single offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers falls more so. So I think Corey Lindsley went from like number one to number three, which is a small drop. Everybody else had major drops, including David Bakhtiari, who went from, you know, I don't know, like as far as entire offensive line, like fourth to 17th, which is to say that the Green Bay Packers offensive line was helped more by the offensive scheme and Aaron Rodgers than other offensive linemen, which is not that hard to to believe. The offensive line has been unbelievable. This past year has been one of the best offensive line years we've seen, despite all the issues. We lost David Bakhtiari. We lost a lot of different guys over the course of time. We have different people popping in. You've had, uh, for example, Elton Jenkins has not actually graded out all that well, but he's done a great job. John Runyon didn't grade out all that well. Didn't really notice, right? You don't notice any issues. So it's funny because one of the things I've been saying is that Aaron Rodgers is largely the MVP because of how good the offensive line is, but the offensive line is largely benefiting from Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur's offensive line scheme, or just offensive scheme in general, the quick passes, right, the screen game, the wide receiver screen, the halfback screen, even things like rollouts, right, they, they don't count that either. So again, it's not that they get worse in true pass sets because that's true of everybody, it's that they get worse proportionally to every other offensive lineman. That's why their rank falls. 
Because if everybody fell the exact same, then your rank wouldn't change. You'd go from third to third and 17th to 17th, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I say all that to say that we should have more confidence than most teams that an offensive lineman, whether it's a guy like Hanson or Runyon stepping up into that spot, or an offensive lineman starting for the first time, they're going to have an easier job than they would at some other, other teams because the Packers' offensive line, their offensive line coaches, and the offensive scheme, and Aaron Rodgers do such a good job of protecting the offensive line. And I think Coach Hahn has actually touched on that a bit, how good these offensive line coaches are and everything else. Bottom line is they have it better than a lot of other. That's not to say they aren't good. David Bakhtiari is still a premier guy. Uh, Corey Lindsley, again, he didn't drop hardly at all. He was number one overall of every single offensive lineman in football. He dropped to like third. It's not to say that they're not good, but it's a great combination of good players mixed with a great scheme. So again, have a little bit of extra confidence that um, things are going to be okay. And, and these guys are still learning. Elton Jenkins is still learning it. Um, and if we can get even just one of either Jake Hansen, John Runyon, or Stepniak to step up and do it, and then you add in offensive linemen you know, through the draft, I, I think they can, they'll be all right. Again, it's not ideal, but you got to do what you got to do. You, you got to be able to improvise and you got to be able to make, make it work. As far as your point on um, you shouldn't start first-year guys, I think that's true of, of pretty much everybody. I mean, not that you shouldn't start them, but generally first-year guys are not very good. That's just a reality. Um, as far as offensive linemen, I can see five guys that graded out 70 or better overall. Damian Lewis, Mekki Becton, Aaron Brewer, Tristan Wirfs, Michael Omenwu. I know that's not how you say his name, but that's how I say it. Mackay. No, it's Mekki. If you just look at pass blocking, you got several guys. There were 10. Uh, Sadiq Charles, I'm just talking about the guys that I didn't already talk about. Tristan Castillo, Ben uh, Bredesen, Tremaine Ankrum, Josh Jones, uh, Jedrick Wills, and Kevin Dotson. So there's, there's plenty of contributors there. I listed, what, 15 guys? You could add in Robert Hunt for Miami, really good run blocker, mediocre pass blocking, which is not terrible for a you know, second-round tackle. Obviously, you want him to step up his pass-blocking game, but he wasn't bad at it. So I get your point, but I wouldn't stress too much about it. I think the offensive line does take a bit of a step back, but it's also possible they take a bit of a step forward. I mean, we, we did not really have a right tackle last year. I mean, Billy Turner, I don't think, is the best answer. Wagner, I liked that as a short-term prospect, but obviously he lost to Billy Turner, so he wasn't doing all that well. There is a possibility that we get a massive upgrade. I mean, remember, we got Elton Jenkins. The one time we took a big swing at an offensive lineman last year in the first couple rounds was Elton Jenkins, and that was a massive home run. And this is a stacked class as far as offensive line goes. They may absolutely knock it out of the park, getting us a real solid uh, right tackle, which would be massive, which could actually propel us into being a better team. Again, Billy Turner got quite a bit better playing guard um, and his ability to run block and things like that. If, If he can kind of maintain that level at guard and we've got a solid right tackle and we got Elton Jenkins and we got David Bakhtiari. I mean, what do we need, a center? So we can have Jake Hansen competing with some other guy that we draft in like the fourth round or, you know, Elton just playing, whatever. Whatever combination you like. The point is, it doesn't have to be bad. Anyways, why don't we take a break here? Big giant uh, massive thank you to Felipe Burasa for uh, upping his pledge and doing it for the year which uh, for those of you that, uh, you know, looking for ways to help out, that's also an option. You can uh, up your pledge if you feel like it, you know, just just throwing that out there. It's an option. But I really appreciate that, Felipe, man. If you want to support the show, uh, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. There's no packernet in that whatsoever. A five-star iTunes review would be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, tell your friends and family. One other thing I thought about that could be really, 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 really helpful, invite your Packer fan, friends, and family to the Facebook group, to the Facebook pages, specifically Cheese and Packers, because that's uh, there is a Packernet podcast one, but um, I'm basically running that, and so not a lot gets done. Also, Facebook is completely flagged and demonetized, that whole thing. They, they shut that thing down hard. I don't really know why. Apparently, I did something that offended them, and we know how sensitive Facebook is about things, so we basically went through and deleted tons of stuff. So we looked at every single thing that could possibly be uh, and I know it's not offensive. It's we posted something probably about with the NFL logo in it or something stupid. And there, it's a hard no monetization. We deleted everything. We went all the way back in time. And I think JJ submitted like a uh, a review after we had done that, and it took about four seconds. I came back like, nope, hate you, not getting any money. So that was that was a that was brutal. So that's why we started Cheese and Packers. 
We'd like to grow that. We'd like to turn that into something. Um, to be honest, I've been working with, give you a little insight. And, and it's not, I don't know for sure what's going to happen. Uh, I've got all kinds of, of fun little plans in my head about what I'm going to do when we move into this new house and I get an office and I kind of build that out and I got all kinds of plans for that. It's, it's real exciting in my head, but we'll, we'll see. But I'm, I'm thinking about shifting up when I record the podcast from early morning to late at night because I have a longer commute now and I don't really want to, uh, to get up earlier. So I think if I stay up and record the podcast, maybe I can kind of sleep in until I have to leave. Just a thought. I don't know. But one of the other things I thought of is spending more time with the setup that I have doing like a stream. And I could do maybe like an every night doing just like a 15 minute, 20 minute, 30 minute stream to Cheese and Packers kind of similar to what Brady does over at Green Bay Packer Nation at his uh, his Facebook page. Just a thought. I know he's having a, a decent amount of success, and there's a ton of growth, and it's it's really a... Facebook is... I mean, there's, a, there's a lot of people there. There's a ton of Packer fans. And I thought about doing that with YouTube. I, I, don't, I don't really know. Obviously, I don't have enough time to do all three. And I also think I, I if the YouTube thing is going to be a lot of draft content, I don't know if I can just sit and riff about the draft like I can with the Packers. So I think it'd be easier to just hit record and talk Packers, especially if we build out that channel. If it can be kind of like his page where there's so many people there, you get a bunch of comments and there's a lot of interaction, that makes it easy. Just hit record, get the people in there, start talking, answering questions, and that would be a lot of fun to do as like a nightly thing, especially after I just recorded the podcast, so I got a lot fresh in my mind. I could even do like a preview of what's coming tomorrow. Whatever. I don't know. I'm just thinking. But again, invite your friends to the group. Invite your friends to the Packernet Podcast Facebook page, but especially the Cheese and Packers Facebook page. I want that thing to get as big as possible because, again, the the quote-unquote relaunch that I'm shooting for, the date, is July 1st. Moving into the house June 7th, or at least starting the process of moving, I'm hoping to at least be a little bit settled and have somewhat of a, a decent-looking studio built out, and then kaboom, here we go, up and running, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, Cheese and Packers. And it's the Facebook page, not the Facebook group. Right now we have uh, approaching 900 followers. Brady has over 400,000. So <laughs> we've got a lot of room to grow. So that's why I said invite your friends and family, everybody you know. We've got uh, over 1,000 people in the Facebook group. So if all of you invited people, that's we're talking about a lot of people. A cool 7,000 if all of you uh, bring in like five people. Anyways, we'll take a break and we'll be right we all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Got a question from I'm not sure who because I forgot to take down the name, but Caleb Farley, take him or pass because of injury. You know, when I first saw this, I thought, this is so silly. This guy is considered like a lock number two corner, a potential top 10 pick, easily top 15 pick. 
you're asking me if he falls to 29, would we take him or leave him? But I'll be honest, the more I think about it, the more it's like, I don't think I want him. Now, obviously, this is going to come down to the Green Bay Packers medical staff to say, is this going to be a problem or not? But the, the problem is, every team is having their medical staff look at him. If he makes it to 29, it's because every one of those medical staffs looked at him and goes, this ain't good. He's going to have issues. He's going to have pain. He, you know, he's going to have flare-ups. And um, I, I just, I, I'm not, in, there's so many prospects that I think have the potential to be good to really, really good for, for 10 years for the Green Bay Packers. Corners, tackles, wide receivers, guards, centers, other, you know, safeties. Defensive linemen, edge rushers, pretty much anything but quarterback. <laughs> could take a running back if you want. Don't, but, you know, still. I don't know that we need to go with a high-risk player like Caleb Farley just because there's a, a slightly higher chance that he's going to be a really, 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 really good player. We've already had issues with Kevin King, and to be honest, the one guy that really stood out in my mind was Sidney Jones. Sidney Jones was in an unbelievably stacked class. This was probably the strongest cornerback class that, you know, since I've been paying attention to the draft. You had Marshawn Lattimore, you had Marlon Humphrey, um, you had, you know, Kevin King was in that class. He was considered a top guy. Quincy Wilson was a strong second-round prospect. Dory Jackson was a real strong prospect. Fabian Moreau was expected, you know, the Packers are supposed to have a real lot of interest in him in the second round. Tredavious White was in that class. He was, I think he was considered like a strong second-round prospect. So tons and tons and tons. I mean, I just listed about a third of the entire class, and they at least had first or second round hype. But there were lots of people that said Sidney Jones is the best guy in this entire class, and that's saying a lot because Marshawn Lattimore was a premier prospect, as was Marlon Humphrey. But everybody was, not everybody, but a lot of people said if it wasn't for the injury issues with Sidney Jones, he would be the top guy. I think Sidney Jones, let me just check, I think he went in the second round. Um... He did, at pick 43 overall to the Philadelphia Eagles. The guy struggled to get on the field, and when he finally did, and he's never really played a, a strong, so he played 29 snaps in 2017. I, you know, He had a 50 overall grade. He, he played 300 snaps in 2018, had a 47 overall grade. 293 snaps, so even less than in 2018, he had a 63 overall grade. Then he goes to Jacksonville, plays 303 snaps, gets a 68. So he's gotten better, but after four years... He's just gotten up to average, and he's never played more than 321 snaps in a single season. It hasn't worked out. And again, that's, that's part of the issue. I mean, part of it is he has had injuries. He did struggle to get on the field. But even then, you're taking a high risk, and there's no knowing for sure that he's going to actually be a good football player. Now, maybe he's not good because of his injury. Maybe it's just a whiff. Maybe the guy just was never all that good to begin with. But that's, that's a risk that is inherent in every... So you're stacking risk. There's a risk with every player that maybe they're just going to be a bust. That's every player, from the first pick to the last pick. It's a sliding scale, but it's, it's a risk. Then you're stacking injury risk on top of it. I'll be honest, man, I think I just want to let him pass. And if somebody else gets a hit on a guy that's, you know, it's, it's kind of like some people talk about with character issues. I forget who had said it, but somebody was talking, oh, I think it was uh, Chris Landry. Chris Landry is a podcast that I like listening to. Um, I always get a lot of good insights from him. He had worked with different staffs and whatnot. And I think, I think he was the one. He was saying, basically, you know, it's better to just let guys like that walk past you. And if somebody else wants to take the risk and they get a hit, I'm fine with it because I can sleep well at night knowing that we didn't take him. I'm fine with it. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, he's been great. And yeah, he hasn't really caused a lot of problems for his team. You know, a couple little incidents at a, at a nightclub or whatever. You know, he was drunk and stumbling down the road and got into a fight. And, you know, it's fine. Whatever. Nothing super crazy. But you know what? I can live with that. And you've seen the horror stories, right? I mean, I would say more than 50% of the time, if they got serious character flaws, something's going to flare up and you're better off just staying away from them. So similar to this, I just, I don't think I want to stack the risk unless I have a medical staff in there saying, this is not an issue. This, with this kind of injury and the surgery that was done, and we did an assessment on him and we, you know, we did scans and everything else to make sure that it was good work and that he's not like scar tissue and all, whatever else. It's going to be some scar tissue, but you get my point. We've did everything we can do, done everything we can do to make sure that this is not going to be a problem and it's not going to be a problem. But again, if that's the case, I don't think he makes it. The only thing I could think would be he kind of, he slips past a couple teams that either don't need corners or like, you know, he's good, but even though the medical staff is like, you know, he's fine, 
we're still, I mean, we're picking at 12. So, I mean, you know, we, we, we don't need to, to go with him. We can go with somebody else. And so he just kind of slips, and then he gets into the 20s, and the Packers jump up. In which case, everyone's going to lose their mind. You idiot. You could have gotten him in the second round because he's going to fall because he's injured. Which, again, I don't think would be the case. I think it would be because of the Packers' medical staff and probably a lot of others cleared him. But, uh, you know, teams are just going to be risk-averse. So, again, I, I just I would rather the Packers didn't pick him at 29 because if he makes it, it's for a reason, and it's a reason that I don't really— Especially, again, we've had issues with Kevin King. And it's it's and that's the stacked thing, right? <laughs> Not only was he a miss, he's had a lot of injury issues. Uh, Christopher Malagusag says, just call him Goose for short. What would be the most disappointing draft outcome to you? And I, I I've been sitting on this one for a long time because it's like it's such a such a broad question. Like I, I got to look at every prospect and every combination of every draft pick to come up with the worst pot. Like I, I that's there's no way, dude. But that's just me thinking too much. I think as far as disappointment, it's to just speak generally, it's kind of what I did in the little exercise I did yesterday, a couple days ago, whatever it was. And th- the point is, I just want to be excited. I want the Packer fan base to be excited. And some people you'll never be able to please, either because they hate those particular prospects or they don't like the order or we took somebody too early, too late, whatever. There's no helping them. Again, there's there's more positions of need than there are picks, than there are high picks, right? If you have five positions of need and only three picks in the first three rounds, you can't get all five in the first three rounds. That makes sense, right? So somebody is out. You know, if we take a linebacker in the fifth round, oh, see, again, 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 don't care about that. Blah, blah, blah. And if we had taken a linebacker in the first round, but didn't take a wide receiver to the fifth round, oh, see, wide receiver. <laughs> okay, well, let's do wide receiver. Okay, well, then we're, you know, offensive tackle. <laughs> Well, then we do offensive tackle in the first round, then cornerback, and then linebacker. We could do one, two, three. They're still going to be mad at the linebacker went in the third round, first of all. And second of all, where's the corner? Oh, you don't got Kevin King? So, so there's no satisfying everybody. You have to take every position of need. We need a wide receiver, a cornerback, a tackle, and a linebacker in the first two rounds, or Brian Gutekunst is an idiot and should be fired. That's his cross to bear. For some fan base, for for some of the fan base that are just ridiculous, but outside of those people that have no ability to be honest or introspective or logical or rational, outside of those people, I'd like the fan base to just be able to be excited because all this is fake. Everything we do is fake, but it's fun. As I saw, I think it was Ken Ingles on there bragging about I haven't done a single mock draft. I'm like, cool, dude. Like, I I don't know why that's a flex for some people. We're having fun. It's fun. You think I don't know that like doing mock drafts is fake? I know it's fake. We all know it's fake. So is when you predict what's going to happen in the season. So is when you predict who's going to be a free agent acquisition or, or, or just talking about who you want or watching draft prospects. It doesn't impact anything. When we do a breakdown of a game coming up, it's fake. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who's going to win. Just let us have fun. Am I not allowed to have fun with football? Do we need to have people like hovering over us all the time? Like, you know, that's fake, right? You know, that doesn't matter, right? You know, that's not going to happen, right? Yes, go away. Leave me alone. I'm, I'm so, <laughs> I'm sorry. Ken's a great guy. And there's a lot of great people on Packers Twitter that are, that are, that are good people. But as soon as the draft season starts, all they do is complain. If you don't like draft season, go away. Come back when the actual draft happens and we can talk about the prospects. But if all you're going to do is nitpick every time somebody does a mock draft or talks about prospects, about how you don't know and you're not a scout and you're not Brian Gutekunst and mock drafts are fake and stupid, go away. We're having fun. We're playing house, okay? We're playing make-believe. We're having a tea party with football players. Leave me alone. This whole thing is fake. Football's fake. It has no impact on anybody's life whatsoever. It's a game where you throw a ball around. If we want to get super, like, dark about it and just ruin everybody's fun. You know, this whole thing is stupid, right? Anyways, moving off of that, I would just like it if we could all celebrate. It's part of the reason why I like the idea of getting a first-round wide receiver. I know the intellectual among us, myself included, and and I'm split like down the middle. Half of my brain is like, dude, that'd be awesome. The other half is like, yeah, but that would be stupid. I get it. I get the intellectual part, but I want to be able to embrace the excitement because you know everybody would be excited. It's an exciting position. It just is. It's exciting to think about. It's exciting to think about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and another elite wide receiver. It's exciting. And you can't convince me otherwise, especially when you talk about Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon on the field. Oh, my goodness. And if it's not that fine, but give me something to be excited about. 
as part, I don't want to have to stretch and just, I mean, every year with the Packers, and, and they've done a good job. Every year they make a pick and it's like, eh, what was that? It's so anticlimactic. You know, Rashawn Gary was like, oh no, I didn't want that. Darnell Savage, like it was a trade up. And you're like, this is going to be crazy. And it's like, Darnell who? who I, I, I don't have that on my list of approved first round uh, picks. Jordan Love, trade it up. Like, dude, here it comes. What's it going to be? It's going to be crazy. Right, get ready to get excited. And it's like, Jordan Love, oh, he's not going to play. Right, and I, again, I, I get the logic of it. We've gone over it. I understand why it's a, a, a prudent pick, but it's not exciting. And I, I, listen, it's not their job to make it exciting. I'm just saying I, I would like it if those two things would intersect this year. Right? I want him to do the best job, to do the most prudent thing he possibly can, to pick the absolute right best prospects for the team. I would just like it to happen to be something exciting this year. Guys, that we could see a path day one. We drafted a guy that can play tackle. I know for a fact his job is to play right tackle this year. He may not, which means that's not great. That means things fell apart and better luck next year, I guess. But I want to be able to say this is going to be big. I want to be able to look at his stats, his grades, his tape, and say that's going to happen this year, week one, against this opponent. That could be a linebacker. That could be a tackle. That could be a wide receiver. Corner is important, but I think that's a little bit more iffy. Because I, as much as I, I'm not a huge Kevin King fan, Kevin King is well-versed. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't do it very well, but he knows what to do. I, I think there's a chance he doesn't win out with that job. I, I think trust is a major thing for the Packers. So I think if we get a corner, that's cool. But I think we're, we're headed toward a slight bit of disappointment when we expect Kevin King. I mean, we're just going to cut him the second we draft the guy because this guy's going to be elite and Kevin King's not good. And that's not going to happen. And to be honest, I'd be surprised if he started over Kevin King on the, on the boundary. I'd be excited but a little surprised. It'll be an ease-in kind of situation, so it's it's not as exciting. Prudent, smart, and you can get excited, but, you know, it's just not as like, mm, day one, just right in your mouth. A punch, that is. A punch is what's going toward your mind. You can't see my fist, but that's what I was talking about. Just for those of you making up your own scenarios about what I'm talking about, shame on you. So again, the biggest disappointment would be a bunch of picks where it's just you, you really have to work hard to get excited about it. I'm, I'll talk myself into whatever happens. I'm a Packers fan. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, come to the realization that Brian Gutekunst is really smart and try to figure out what they're thinking and assume that their thinking is correct. I'll get there. I just don't want to have to work so hard this year. And it's like every year we have to work hard to fall in love with the draft. And some people just refuse to do it. Like either excite me or I'm going to hate you for the rest of my life. And that's just where they, they live. They live in hatred of Brian Gutekunst because they didn't get excited on draft day. They were disappointed and they can't let it go. Even for guys that are, that are doing a good job, like Rashawn is really stepping up and Darnell Savage is an absolute freak show that is on track to be one of the best safeties in football if things continue the way that they're going. Elton Jenkins and, and the rest of the crew, which is really doing quite well. Kamal was one of the best linebackers in the entire draft. But a couple of these picks were massive disappointments and I can't let it go. But we'll see what happens. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. It's Thursday, isn't it? <laughs> oh, man. I love Thursday. It's like a pre-Friday. It's like Friday Eve. That's why Sundays always made me so sad, because they're Monday. It's Monday Eve. <laughs> My brain is just broken, dude. It's just, I'm so stupid. But it's a reality. I've been that way since I was a kid. I hated Sundays. Probably worse than Mondays, because just the, the anticipation of it. Did I mention you can donate? Patreon.com forward slash back underscore daddy. If everyone did it, I don't have to go to work anymore. Just saying. Anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.